Hey there, you are listening to a podcast from the Christian Campus House at the University of Central Missouri. Our mission is to journey with students as they discover and build a deeper relationship with Jesus. And so we hope that our recorded teachings help you discover or build a deeper relationship with Jesus. Enjoy. But thanks for letting me be here. Um, I do want to talk about Jonathan tonight. So I'm not going to plant in like a specific passage. It's going to be a little bit more topical through Jonathan's life and how that interacted with David. So kind of what I want to do tonight is I want to tell you a lot about Jonathan because I think he's a really important character in David's life, especially if you're talking about him being a shepherd and a leader. Jonathan's like his biggest encourager, his number one fan. So I want to just tell you kind of a lot about Jonathan. Then I want to kind of step aside and I want to talk a little bit about friendship and like what the Bible says about friendship and why I think it's important. And then I'm going to merge those two together. So it might feel like I just randomly start talking about two different things, but that's what we're going to talk about Jonathan, then we're going to talk about friendship, and then we're going to talk about those two things together. So we're going to kind of skim through 1 Samuel, a little bit of 2 Samuel. So if you want to, we're going to start in 1 Samuel 13, um, but like I said, I'm just going to kind of fly through Jonathan's life, and then we'll talk a little bit about friendship. But so Jonathan, if you guys have heard a little bit about Saul already, right? He's like kind of the bad guy in David's story, but also the king of Israel. So you might find out later, David really respects Saul, even though Saul's like always trying to kill him. It's like David does something really great. Saul gets jealous, tries to kill him. It happens over and over again. Jonathan is Saul's son, which is kind of a complicated relationship. So Saul is the king, which makes Jonathan the crown prince of Israel. He should be king. And then this guy comes on the scene, David, who God has said, you're going to be just complicated. You would not naturally think the crown prince and the guy that everyone kind of secretly knows is going to be king would be friends. But we backtrack. So in 1 Samuel 13 is when we first meet Jonathan. And this is before David is even really up on the scene. Like he's probably still a young boy out in the, in the fields. And in 1 Samuel 13, um, in verse 2, it says, Saul chose 3,000 men of Israel. They're about to go fight war. 2,000 were with Saul and 1,000 were with Jonathan. And the rest he sent home verse 3 and 13 Jonathan defeated the garrison of the Philistines and the Philistines heard of it and so they have this great victory that Jonathan leads so even before like David comes on the scene Jonathan's a really good leader Saul's giving him responsibility it seems like he's going to be a good king and then first Samuel 14 um let's see so Jonathan is kind of off by himself I forgot to mark exactly where the verse is um, around verse 12, it says, The men of the garrison hailed Jonathan and his armor bearer and said, Come up to us and we'll show you a thing. And Jonathan said to his armor bearer, Come up after me, for the Lord has given them into the hand of Israel. So he's kind of like just with one guy, like his like armor bearer, probably his like secret service a little bit. And he's like, Hey, I think we could take these bad guys. What do you think? If, if, we, if they're like, Oh yeah, come hang out with us, we're going to go attack them. And then that's what the Philistines, the, the guys do. And he goes and has this like great victory and gives glory to the Lord. And is just doing this like really awesome work. And so again, this is even before David, Jonathan is showing himself to be a really good leader. And then we see even later in 1 Samuel 14. So this is all about Saul's kingdom still. David's not really super on the scene. He's been anointed. Um, I think he's been anointed already. He hasn't even been. So David's not even anointed yet. And Jonathan's kind of up and coming as this crown prince. And then they're at another battle. There's a lot of battles. So you're going to run into this. David was just like this warrior king. Saul before him was a warrior king. 
there's another battle that Saul is fighting, and he makes a rash vow. That's actually the title. If you see kind of down in 14, if you're there, verse 24, like above that, my Bible says, Saul's rash vow. And he says, Cursed be the man who eats food until it's evening, and I am avenged on my enemies. So Saul is kind of a crazy person. You know, I'm not supposed to disrespect him. He was the chosen one. That's what David did. But he's just like always angry, always like making these like really silly kind of dumb decisions and so he's like nobody eats till we win this battle which is dumb when you're fighting a battle it's like you need to eat you need to be sustained and jonathan doesn't hear him so he doesn't hear his dad say nobody eat so then jonathan does eat he eats some honey he it says it like lighted up his eyes and jonathan then they're able to like he's able to still fight but then they lose the battle ultimately and saul is like who did it? Like who broke the vow? Who ate? And so then they go through this thing. They used to cast lots. And so it's like, is it the army or is it Saul and Jonathan who disobeyed Saul's rash vow? And it's like, okay, it's Saul and Jonathan. And it's like, okay, is it Saul or Jonathan? And then it lands on Jonathan. So Saul is basically like, well, I said not to eat and you did. So now I'm going to kill you to his like son, which again, you're like, what are you thinking? So Jonathan is like now on the chopping block, but then in verse 45 of chapter 14 in first Samuel, then the people said to Paul, Shall Jonathan die, who has worked this great salvation in Israel? Far from it. As the Lord lives, shall, there shall not one hair of his head fall to the ground, for he has worked with God this day. So the people ransomed Jonathan, Jonathan so that he did not die. So we, there's so much to this story of Jonathan before we even get to this, like, this really famous friendship we had with David. And you can see the people love him. Like the army is like, we're actually going to like defy the king, like his dad, and say, we're going to ransom Jonathan, and we're not going to let him. So I just want you to have this picture of someone who's very capable. He's very, like, he's a good fighter. He's a good man. Like, honestly, he gives God glory, all of these things. Um, and then we're going to flip over to 1st Samuel 18. So you have this picture of Jonathan. He's, like, in his prime, a great warrior. He's the crown prince. And then David comes in the scene. And so in 18 is when we meet kind of one of David's greatest victories. Um, is it 18? Oh, 17. That's Goliath. So they meet at the end of Goliath. So have you guys done David and Goliath already? Done that story? So you kind of know it's like he's saying, like, I, Saul's like, wear my armor. And he's like, I don't want to wear your armor. I just need these stones. And David's even kind of like, why are we even, like, God can defeat this. Like, why is this a question? He goes out and defeats them. And then at the end, at 18-1, that's where it is. As soon as he had finished speaking to Saul, so he comes in, Saul's like, thank you for defeating Goliath, all these things. It says, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And Saul took him that day and would not let him return to his father's house. Then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was on him, and he gave it to David and his armor and even his sword and his bow and his belt. And David went out and was successful wherever Saul sent him, so that Saul sent him over, set him over the men of war. That's where Jonathan had been. And this was good in the sight of all the people and also in the sight of Saul's servants. So you see this moment where this guy comes on the scene and it is clear he is anointed by God. He has leadership. And this is where you would assume Jonathan would get jealous. He would get petty. He would act like the example he has is his dad, who's always trying to kill David. But instead... Like, taking off your robe and giving in your staff isn't us just being like, oh, you're cold, here's my sweatshirt. Like, you would have known he was the prince by what he was wearing. Like, him and Saul would have had nicer clothes. It would have been some kind of marking his staff. Probably, like, you know how, like, kings would wear, like, rings that would, like, seal things? His staff would kind of identify, like, 
this means that I have power and privilege in this area. And he gives them to David. So it's this moment and you're like, what kind of conversation was that? But Jonathan's basically like, it's going to be you. And I'm okay with that. Like you never really see Jonathan questioning it. Questioning it, He just says, it's going to be, you're going to be king. So that's like the first thing. I also want to make a side note. So some people, and this doesn't, like we don't need to get caught up in this. We can talk more about it if you want. Some people like to talk about maybe Jonathan and David like being in love romantically. Um, there's this one where they're like souls are knit together. At the end of his life, when Jonathan dies, David writes this poem, which he wrote most of the Psalms. So he's a very like emotional expressive guy and he says Jonathan's love was like better to me than the love of a woman and so people can kind of get weird about that but we have to know about David his relationships were train wrecks like if you look he had multiple wives multiple of them were like horrible to him or he was horrible to them he misused women he he repented for all of it but Jonathan's relationship with women or sorry David's relationship with women was always complicated so this isn't saying I loved David like I loved women. He's saying, Jonathan, David is not saying that. So I'm getting them confused because I'm saying their names so many times. David is not saying, I love Jonathan like I love a woman. He's saying, Jonathan's friendship like never let me down. I never felt alone. I never felt betrayed by Jonathan. It's not romantic. It's just a deep, deep friendship that he could always count on. And that's why it was more important to him than any kind of romantic relationship he had. So I just want to make a side note. Again, if you want to talk more about that, there's no like innuendos in here that some people try to pull out. There's nothing like that. So his soul is knit to David's. And then just one page over, sorry, I told you, all of Jonathan's story. Um, in 1 Samuel 19 and 20 is when Saul just kind of starts raging and like tries to um, kill David over and over. And Jonathan convinces his dad not to kill him. And then Jonathan tries again to be like, dad, like can't David just stay here and not be killed and Saul's like no he has to kill him and then Saul tries to kill Jonathan because Jonathan is trying to defend David and then at the very end of 20 they make a vow um, to each other and basically Jonathan is like I am gonna put your needs above mine and I'm gonna help you escape so this so first Jonathan is like a mighty warrior then he gives David his like mantle of leadership and then Jonathan actually helps David escape when he knows his dad really is serious about killing him this time and then kind of the last time we see Jonathan and David together um, is in 23, 1 Samuel 23, in verse 16. I actually think this is such a silly, interesting part of the Bible. So there's all this like chasing. I can kind of like picture as a movie where it's like Saul's on this side of the mountain and David's here. And Saul's like running around and David's like running around. Like you know how cartoons will do that where they're like run through the same circle door and not find each other. That happens for a few chapters. Like Saul's in a cave. David sneaks up on him, but Saul can't find him. So there's all this like mystery, like where is David and why can't we find him? And then in 23, 15 and 16, um, it says David saw that Saul had come out to seek his life. David was in the wilderness and Jonathan, Saul's son, rose and went to David and strengthened his hand in God. And so you're like, so Jonathan just like knew where he was. Like he's hiding and he's like running around and Saul's like, where is he? And Saul's like wasting money and time and resources on finding him. And then it's like, Jonathan just went and hung out with him for a day. And you're like, how? like, this is crazy that like so many people must know where David is. And there's has to be this like secret spy network. I love to imagine like the secret spy network Jonathan had going on to keep David safe. Like just imagine that where Jonathan's like, I know exactly where he is and I'm not going to tell you because you want to kill him, you know? And then he's just like gets up and goes to him. And I'm like, and Saul didn't follow him? I just have so many questions to ask Jonathan someday in heaven mm -hmm. about like, what was it like to like sneak around and just know where David was and everyone's running around looking? 
So he encourages him, do not fear, for the hand of Saul, my father, shall not find you. You shall be king over Israel, and I will be next to you. Saul, my father, also knows this. And the two of them made a covenant. This is 2318. The two of them made a covenant before the Lord. David remained, and Jonathan went home. Um, and so that's really the last time we see Jonathan and David interacting, and it's him just encouraging him one more time. So we've just seen this really wonderful person who loves the Lord and who gives the Lord the victory, just pouring into who he knows is supposed to be the next leader, even though according to his birthright, it's supposed to be him. And then at the, in the first chapter of Second Samuel, um, Saul and Jonathan are both killed in battle, and David really mourns them. Um, in First Samuel, at the end of chapter 1, he says, How the mighty have fallen, this is like David's poem, How the mighty have fallen in the midst of the battle. Jonathan lies slain on your high places. I am distressed for you, my brother Jonathan. Very pleasant have you been to me. Your love to me was extraordinary, surpassing the love of women. How the mighty have fallen and the weapons of war perished. And so even now David can be king and his enemy is gone, but he actually mourns for Saul and for Jonathan because they were also chosen and anointed by the Lord for that season. Um, and so this is like, I just kind of, again, want to paint this picture of who Jonathan was. You know, you hear like, oh, David and Jonathan, they were great friends. This was not a like, oh, yeah, you're just like my buddy down the road. We grew up across the street. This is a man who should have had everything David got, but continued to just put down his preferences and put down his rights to serve a person who God had called to do something. And so he's just a really wonderful example even of just humility and of trusting that the Lord knows what is like what should happen next um so that's jonathan that's his story that's kind of what we see about him he's a very complex um very humble character um now i want to shift a little bit and i want to talk about friendship in the bible and then like i said i'm going to tie them together um so i like grant said i have like 13 best friends um i've had one, there was one time when i was in fifth grade we moved to kentucky and another family i was one of five kids we were homeschooled there's other family with five kids who was homeschooled who like moved at the same time so our moms are like you guys are going to be friends and we were like okay so I'm like in fifth grade and I go to church that Sunday and she's like yeah her name is Abby her dad has a mustache so go find a man with a mustache ask if he's Abby's dad and then introduce yourself to Abby and I'm like are you kidding me I'm like 10 years old <laughs> so I go find him his name's Ben I go find Mr. Finn is what I've called him my whole life and still even though I'm a grown woman call him Mr. Finn and I go to him and I'm like are you Abby's dad? And he's like, yes. And I was like, my mom says I have to meet Abby. And he's like, I don't know where she is, but her mom's over there. And I was like, okay. So I go over and I'm like, are you Abby's mom? And she's like, yes. And I'm like, I'm supposed to meet Abby. I'm Janice's daughter. And she's like, oh, great. And so she like goes and introduces me. And so then I meet Abby. And Abby is still one of my dearest friends to this day. But it was because our parents made us be friends. But the second time we ever hung out, I fell into her creek, again, 10 years old. I fell into her creek and I cried about it because my shoes got muddy. I'm still kind of an emotional person. But we had this like really awkward beginning where it's like our parents were making us be friends and then I was kind of a crybaby when I was in fifth and sixth grade. I still kind of am, but like back then it was worse. And so, but we had this like friendship that was like built on our families both like loved the Lord. And so we've been able as we've grown and both loved the Lord to grow into that. So I say that to say like, and her friendship has been very valuable to me and not valuable like, oh, I just take from her, but it's just been a gift from the Lord. And so I really think some of the most valuable gifts God can give us are friendships, um, especially when you're willing to kind of do that first awkward step of like, my parents were the ones who saw it, but you might say too, where it's like, I think maybe 
we would get along. You know, when I was in fifth grade, I didn't understand that big families who were homeschooled or just moved here is a unique thing. But my parents saw it. So you might see someone, you're like, I think we have, like, maybe a unique thing. So be on the lookout for that. You know, God wants to give us the gift of friendship. So there might be some words like, even if you've had awkward interactions, but like, okay, maybe maybe there's something here because the Lord is at the center of what our friendship would be. Um, so also, so I'm, I've been, I'm single. I've been single my whole life. I'm um, in my 30s. And so friendship has also just been a very, very important part of community for me. Not having like my own nuclear family. God has just given me all kinds of friends, all different ages. For a while, my mentor and her five-year-old daughter were like both equally my good friends. You know, she's 10 years older. She's 20 years younger. But all three of us just have sweet times together. So another thing about friendship is like, Godly friendship isn't defined by the season of life you're in, by the age you are. God wants all of us to be friends. And um, let me jump into some scripture and then I'll talk a little bit more. The friendship is actually in the Bible. So in Ecclesiastes 4, it says two are better than one for they have good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the man who falls and has no one to help. And that sometimes they'll use that in weddings, but that has nothing to do. It's beautiful for weddings, yes. Like, but it actually is about friendship. Like, two are better than one because they have good return for their work. Yeah, that makes sense. Like, if we're both working for the same thing, and and if one falls down, his friend can help him up. Think about that. Whether it's like you need to confess something, whether it's you're struggling with something, whether you want to rejoice about something, like your friend can help you up. And it's pity the man who falls and has no one to help. And then Proverbs talks about friendship. Um, Proverbs 27, 6 says, faithful are the wounds of a friend. And that's like, again, when we are Christians and we want to live like the Lord, we need those people who will tell us the truth. Like Proverbs is saying like, it hurts, but if the person you who's telling you the hurtful thing you trust, that's actually really a good thing. Um, and then Proverbs also says like, iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens the other. That's 2717. So again, it's that refinement, it's that sanctification of we all want to be more like Jesus. And one of the best ways we can be like Jesus, if someone is so close in our life, we can be like, hey, that wasn't like Jesus. Let's work on that. Or way to go. That looks so much like Jesus. I think we kind of forget the celebration part of having friends too. So the Bible is very clear that um, it's good to have friends. It's strengthening. It's worth it. Um, the one other thing I would say that I don't think we talk about very often with friendship is that it actually can be hard work. I think we're often like, oh, when I mean, we're having like a little like tough time, there's a little bit of drama. So I think I might just like be done with that, you know, like, but every healthy relationship is going to have conflict, not just a romantic relationship. My like, I have had multiple friends. Actually, most of my close friends, we've had these moments where it's been like, I am so mad at you. Or I can't believe you said that. Or I have to go back and be like, that really, really hurt my feelings. Um, this summer, well, actually last November, my, 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 one of my, she, I've said it like I have 17 best friends. So we have been friends since high school and she is my closest friend. I talk to her almost every day. Um, she got engaged in November. We'd both been single for a really long time. We are in our 30s. And this was a gigantic shift in our friendship. To go like almost a decade, more than a decade of like, you're just my person. We do everything together. We do vacations. We do all this stuff. And now it's like, oh, you're engaged. And so that when we like, in, I struggled with it, but she also struggled because our dynamic changed. And so we had to have like a few conversations about that. And that didn't mean there was something wrong with our friendship. And that didn't mean that, we were there was something like we needed to like 
just be kind of done. It's like, no, this is an important friendship. And so we're going to work through the things that are hurting our feelings. We're going to work through the awkward things. And now it's great. And it's, we, you know, but we had to, if I had just been like, you know what, you're engaged. So I think I'm done because this is awkward. I would have lost the most valuable friendship I have, but I leaned in and I'm like, this is hard. Let's talk about it. Um, so friendships are really important, but I think it really does take work. When you find those friends who make you more like Jesus, the enemy doesn't want that. Like he doesn't want you to have friends that make you more like Jesus. So he's going to do what he can to fight against that. So you have to fight for your friendships and you have to fight for those relationships where the people really do know everything about you. There's something about community where you walk in a room and you're like, I am fully known. The good, the bad, the ugly, the best parts, fully known. I felt that way like walking into Ronnie and Grant's house today. I was like, oh, these people like know me. I don't have to pretend. And it's just so relieving when you've like done the hard work of, I have actually a funny story about Grant and mine's friendship, but we'll get there. We were not friends at first. So, and it's, I don't know whose fault it is. We, I don't know. But so friendship, let me back up and then I'm just going to give you a few takeaways and then we're going to, but so Jonathan and David, that's what we're talking about. I just tangent. Friendships are really, really important generally in life, but when you're a Christ follower and you want to be more like Jesus, friendships are very important. So here are five things, if you're a note taker, that I see we can take from Jonathan and David's friendship to make us better friends. So when you are looking for a friend to help sanctify you and grow and become more like Jesus, the first thing is you want them to be committed to God. Um, so before Jonathan and David are even friends in first Samuel, I'm just going to read through these. I'll give them to you later if you want. In 1 Samuel 14, Jonathan says, Perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. And then when Jonathan meets David, he says, Go in peace, for we have sworn friendship with each other in the name of the Lord. So the first thing you want to look for in that friend, that number one, that souls knit together friend, is they need to be committed to the Lord as well. They need to say, God is my number one God is your number one. This is going to work out really well. And you help each other stay in that spot of being committed to God. Um, and then the next thing I see is that Jonathan was really humble. Um, Jonathan was willing to admit that David had skills and gifts he didn't have. Um, and Jonathan knew that David was going to be king. And he still stood by David's side. We read that. He said, you're going to be king and I'm going to be right by your side. He's not going to go pout. He was very humble and celebrated his friends. Um, and we read this verse already in 1 Samuel 18. Jonathan took off the robe he was wearing and gave it to David, along with his tunic, even his sword, his bow, and his belt. So he just he's just so humble. He's like, I care more about you becoming who God wants you to be than me getting the limelight. And this is like the extreme version. Like, none of us are like, yeah, I'm not going to be the queen, so you can be the queen. That's never actually going to happen. But that's lit, like that's the sign of humility. It's like, are they getting something that you deeply desire? Celebrate them. Encourage them. Help them practice for whatever that is. And that's really hard, but that is what godly friendship is. Um, so kind of a question for that one is like, are you looking out for the interests of your friend more than the interests of yourself? Yeah, which is what Jesus did. The third thing um, is that Jonathan was very trustworthy. Um, David could talk to Jonathan about anything, even the really awkward things. Um, in 1 Samuel 20, um, David says to Jonathan, What have I done and what is my crime? How have I wronged your father that he is trying to kill me? Never, Jonathan replied. You are not going to die. Um, and so it's just like, I also imagine that being pretty awkward. Like, I don't think you're ever going to go to your friend and be like, um, I think your dad's trying to kill me. But that's what Jonathan is doing. So sometimes... 
friendship, you have to like, no, you can trust this person. Like David knew he could go to Jonathan and say, okay, I think your dad's trying to kill me. Because he knew he could trust Jonathan with that kind of information. Are you the kind of friend, are you finding the kind of friends who can be trusted? And then Jonathan, at the end of that chapter, verse in 20, he says, Jonathan said to David, whatever you want me to do, I'll do for you. So David said, I think, hold on, I think that your dad's trying to kill me. And Jonathan's like, no, he's not. And David's like, no, I really think so. Like, bro, I really think he's trying to kill me. And Jonathan's like, okay, what do you need? How can I, like, help you not either feel this way or figure this out? So Jonathan says, whatever you want. So he's very, very trustworthy with, with David's, like, fear, anxiety, information, all those things. The fourth thing I see is that Jonathan was really brave. So in your friendships, you need to find someone who's brave, who's willing to tell you the hard things, and you need to be brave in telling them. Um, I just, Jonathan did the right thing, even when it was hard. Um, in 1 Samuel 19, Jonathan says, My father Saul is looking for a chance to kill you. Be on your guard tomorrow morning. So this is after that conversation. Go into hiding and stay there. I will go out and stand with my father in the field where you are. I'll speak to him about you, and I'll tell you what I find out. So he's saying, like, okay, go hide. I'll bring my dad out, and we'll have a conversation. He won't know you're listening. And then we'll both know the truth about what my dad thinks about you. That's, like, really great to put yourself in that. And then another time he says, as long as the son of Jesse lives on this earth, this is Saul talking. As long as the son of Jesse lives on this earth, neither you nor your kingdom will be established. Now send someone to bring him to me, for he must die. And Jonathan says to his father, what, why should he be put to death? What has he done? Again, just in the face of anger, Saul was so angry. He would go into rages. He would throw things. He would throw spears. And I, I just, he would, yeah, he was a crazy person. Um, Jonathan says, why? Like, I'm not going to do that. So he was very, very brave. Um, and he would do what was right, even in the moments that it was really hard. Um, and then the last thing I see um, is confident. Jonathan knew he was a good leader, and he was confident in God, David, and their friendship. So Jonathan, like, keeps doing the things he's supposed to do. He wasn't, like, he didn't try to become king, but he also didn't stop leading. I thought that was really interesting when I was studying this time. I was like, oh, like, he knew he wasn't going to be king, but he wasn't like, then I'm out. I'm just going to be lazy. It doesn't matter. I'm not going to be king. He kept fighting for his, like, father. He kept fighting for Israel. He kept being a leader among the armies and among his people. Um, and he was just so confident that David was supposed to be king and that God was in charge and that he was where he needed to be. And I think that kind of, like, starting with that, like, do you both love God and are you both confident in who God has called you to be um, that your friendship can work? So 1 Samuel 20, again, it says, Jonathan says, show me unfailing love, but show me unfailing kindness, like the Lord's kindness as long as I live, so that I may not be killed, and do not ever cut off your kindness from my family, not even when the Lord has cut off every one of your enemies from the face of the earth. And so I think that's just Jonathan saying, like, I know that you're going to win, David. Like, I'm so confident that the Lord is going to take down all your enemies, but I, will you just take care of my family? Like, because I know you're going to be the leader, but I'm, and I'm confident in that, but I'm also confidently asking you, will you take care of my family when I go? Because I know that's going to happen. Um, and then another time he goes and sneaks away when he finds David, and I'm like, I don't know how I found him. He helped him find strength in God. Um, and that's when he says, you will be king and I will be second. And again, that confident humility where it's like, he's not saying, yeah, I'm just going to bow. He's like, actually, I'd be a pretty good number two. Like, I'm a pretty good leader. I'm a pretty good warrior. All of that stuff. But, like, I'm confident that you're supposed to be here, and I'm supposed to be here, and this is my call. Um, so those are the things I see in David and Jonathan. And 
to make so like you're looking for those things in a friend but you also have to ask am i those things to my friends and i think that's where we see that in david's life as you're studying you know he's a shepherd warrior king um he needed that kind of friend but he also was that kind of friend to jonathan he takes care of jonathan's family after jonathan is murdered um so as you're just thinking through these things do i have a good friend like this if you don't ask jesus to send you one ask god like show me someone in my life maybe they're already here maybe i haven't noticed this like who can be a jonathan kind of friend to me as i'm growing and who god wants me to be or maybe you need to ask like where do i need to be a better friend are there hard conversations i've been avoiding with my friends are there things i need to trust them with and confess to them so those are two things either be asking god who can this friend be for me or what kind of friend do i need to be we all know that thing like to have good friends you have to be a good friend um maybe you just need to look through this list and be like where can i grow um in my good friendships and i just think as you're studying david i think jonathan was a really important part if you want to be a leader if you want to be a jesus follower you need people who will help you lead and follow jesus closely as your friend because i think the bible is really clear that those are really important relationships We are so glad that you decided to listen to this teaching from the Christian Campus House. Join us live at our weekly gatherings on Wednesday nights at 7.30 p.m. during the school year. If you have questions or you want to talk about what it looks like to take the next step in your faith journey, email us at cch.digdeeper at gmail.com. That's cch.digdeeper at gmail.com. We hope to see you soon.